so we're so excited to be here. This is our second episode of Animated News, where we talk about the uh, the biggest news in the world of animation. And uh, we're, we had a really good time the first time. And uh, this time I have two guests. I'm Rachel, and uh, we have my friend Adam is here again to talk with us. Adam, you want to say hi? Hey guys, my name is Adam. I go under the alias Animated Antic. I am an animated movie critic that write, writes reviews for my own website as well as Letterboxd. And I also do video essays on animation on my own YouTube channel. Yeah, and we'll have links for all of that in the description section. Make sure you check that out. And, and then we also have Jonathan North is here. Hello, I'm Jonathan. Um, I write for the Rotoscopers along with Rachel and I also have a YouTube channel yeah. So thank you so much, you guys, for joining uh, me to talk about these news. I, I wasn't even expecting that we would necessarily uh, meet again so quickly, uh, but there was just so much. I was like, well, we better, <laughs> better talk. It was just a busy, busy, busy uh, week and a half, really, since we last met. So it's going to be fun. We have about, let's see here, one, two, three, four, six, seven, we have eight topics that we're going to be uh that we're going to be talking about uh and uh look forward to your guys's insight into them and so okay so we're going to start out by talking about the box office so uh, we have two animated films that are in, that are uh have been released into the box office in north america and uh, we had the opening weekend for Hotel Transylvania 3, Summer Vacation. It made $44 million in its opening weekend, which was ahead of expectations. And uh, yeah, what do you think, Jonathan, about this, uh, uh, this opening weekend for Hotel Transylvania 3? I'm glad to hear it because I went to see it and I thought it was the best of the three. Uh -huh. it, it's it's really it's just a fun movie yeah. and there's not i don't think there's enough movies that are made like hotel transylvania so i'm glad to see that this one is doing well just because it's not afraid to be unashamedly silly uh -huh. <laughs> most 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 animated movies today feel like they have to like I don't know, have all these heartfelt messages or whatever. And this one is just, it's a cartoon and it doesn't apologize for it. And I really liked that about it. Yeah. I actually also agree with you that I think it is the best of the three. Uh, I think that the, uh, the first one was just a little too messy. It's amazing. It's as good as it is given what had happened with the production. Uh, and then the second one for me, I felt like it didn't use the ensemble cast uh very well and so you didn't get to see enough of characters like eunice and frank and things like that um and i felt like this one did a better job of using all of those ensemble characters and i thought it was pretty funny the the ending music battle i thought was very <laughs> funny I, <laughs> I loved the ending battle with the kraken yeah. that oh, was that, so good that that was great <laughs> that was very funny i thought it really paid off and yeah, and Gendy, uh, the director, Gendy Tartakovsky, said that, he says, I don't want animation to mimic reality. Uh, I want to push reality. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's definitely his, uh, his philosophy is doing something that's sort of absurdist. I think it's a little crazy. Uh, I think it didn't, it, it's not like, I, I wouldn't say it's a great movie. Like I wouldn't expect to see it come Oscar time or whatever, but, uh, but I thought it was enjoyable. I've actually seen it twice because I was just so hot and needed to get out of my house. And so I went and saw it again <laughs> and I enjoyed it again. Uh, it, uh, it's, uh, yeah, the villain is the big problem. The villain is terrible. I hated the villain. <laughs> yeah um, same and you didn't even need the villain like really I, I think that drac dating again and them all going down this cruise they could have little adventures like that's enough like that's enough drama and story i think i don't even understand why they had a villain 
Yeah. Well, they needed to have that big ending battle with the Kraken, and that couldn't have happened without the villain. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but you'd have <laughs> yeah. to make jokes. But I, he was pretty cringy, I thought, as a character. Yeah, I, mean, I, I didn't think he was too bad. I, I actually agree with Rachel. I did not like the villain at all. I thought he was completely unnecessary to the story, especially when you take into consideration that the last two movies didn't really have a villain. I don't consider Bella from the second movie a villain. That was just an interference, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, the villain did not work. But as far as my thoughts on Hotel Transylvania 3, I also really liked it. I did not think it was the best. I actually thought two was the best of the three, and I thought one was uh, the weakest because I thought it was only decent but not great. And the uh, and two and three, I'd actually watch again. I also do agree with you, Rachel. It is a good movie. It's not a great one by any means. It's probably not going to get any Oscar nominations. But it was definitely a fun time. And, uh, yeah, I really liked – I just really liked how silly and fun it was as a cartoon, basically. It, yeah. Well, what's really impressive, too, is the incredible uh, Incredibles 2 – uh, got number four at the box office this weekend and uh, they made 24 million dollars and uh, they took a big chunk I think out of Ant-Man and the Wasp's second weekend because they they had a pretty Ant-Man and the Wasp had a 61 percent drop which is pretty high usually you're hoping mm. for 50 to 55 percent drop so mm-hmm. 61 is pretty high considering it's not like it started out like it's of course you have a 60 percent drop when you're making like you know, $200 million opening weekend or something like that, then yeah, you're going to have a 60% drop, but it didn't have that kind of opening weekend. And so, and I think a big part of that is because you have another, in my opinion, superior superhero movie in theaters right now with the Incredibles too. And, uh, and it, uh, I'm sorry, I, I, I misspoke when I said it made $24 million skyscraper. Incredibles two made $16 million this last weekend and uh yeah and so it's made a total gross of 535 million dollars which is really impressive uh and uh actually down to the very day it's made 541 and that's just domestic uh worldwide it's made 864 million dollars so that's really good <laughs> for yeah. incredibles too yeah but, and I think it deserves it. I think it's a really good movie. I think uh, what makes Incredibles 2 special is that it has all of the elements of a great superhero movie, but then it also, in my opinion, is a treatise about how hard it is to be a parent. I think that's the main message. And it's not like a really hit you in your gut kind of message. It's a little bit more of a subtle message than some other Pixar movies. But just mm-hmm. like just like the scene where where Violet lets her dad sleep. Like that scene was, I think, saying a lot there. Or even with Edna and uh, that, that saying, you know, parenting is the most, when done well, is the most heroic act you can do. Uh, so I really <laughs> liked that a lot. And uh, yeah, so I'm glad that's doing so well. Yeah, me too. It deserves it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, well, let's talk about uh, the news trailer. We did have one new trailer this week. We had the trailer for the film Wonder Park. And uh, this is being released by Paramount. And uh, it's, I actually liked the trailer. I feel like I'm a little more forgiving to this style of sort of medium grade uh cgi animation that other people just really hate son of bigfoot i actually loved it i thought it was really good i, I thought the animation was good i thought that the uh, story was good i thought the music was good i really liked it mm-hmm. and i don't know but some people see this kind of level of animation and immediately kind of discount it so i i feel like i sometimes want to kind of uh root for them a little bit because i think there's some good stuff in there and there's some creativity and it looked like it had potential to be okay to me uh it was an okay trailer i thought uh what did you think adam uh it seems interesting to me it definitely has a very unique style to it but i'm going to be very cautious with this movie this is a film that had a 
very troubled production. Mm-hmm. Its director was fired earlier in the year, and and um, it was bu- it was pushed back a lot. I think this was initially supposed to be released in 2017, and then it got pushed to this year, and then it got pushed to 2019. And I'm really yeah. cautious about this movie because some animated movies can work even with troubled production histories, like Toy Story 2, for instance. That film was made in almost the, – the, the final film, that is. That was made in almost eight months. Mm-hmm. And this film could either turn out to be pretty good or a mess. And I'm, I'm just really scared by it. As far as the trailer goes, it looks pretty good, I'm guessing. I think my only problem was it, with it is that it has that slow cover of a old song. In this case, it was What a Wonderful World. It's just yeah. like, that, that's something that's gotten to me. They, they did that last year with A Wrinkle in Time where Sweet Dreams are made of these. Yeah, it, I just agree it, with you there. It gets old. It's just, it's so old when you have this song cover. It's just sung slowly and dramatically by a female voice i think it's just it's just old it's a pet peeve that's driving me crazy that's a good point <laughs> i do agree with you 100 percent there like that is such a cliche like you're not more sort of indie and cool just because you sing like hit me with the best shot in in a minor key slow like that's not <laughs> <laughs> all like deep and meaningful yeah i agree uh what did you think of this jonathan i was not really impressed by it at all yeah i thought some of the animation looked good but everything else was just like painfully mediocre mm-hmm. like i i probably will not see this in theaters unless it gets like amazing reviews I'll wait and see what you think about it <laughs> and then decide. Um, yeah, it looked very made for children. It didn't look like there was anything in there for an adult animation fan besides some of the animation looked good. The song was, I mean, I don't have a problem with cover songs in trailers, but the song did not fit what was going on. It was like this slow epic song about, something amazing and it was a bunch of animals building a theme park so the song was it didn't fit to me it it made it feel like they were trying to manipulate you into thinking this was going to be an epic movie and then everything on screen was not really that epic it was yeah very cookie cutter i think they were trying to be like oh it's full of wonder like (laughs) so the song is like wonder what a wonderful world you know so I, I get I get why why they did it, but yeah, I yeah. agree. The song was not great. Yeah, that was not a great choice. It, it reminded me a lot of the trailer for Smallfoot. I have no idea why they chose "Don't Stop Believing" for the last trailer of Smallfoot. Like <laughs> when I when I heard that, I'm like, why is this song playing in the trailer? It makes no sense. But I liked those trailers though. That like I feel like that movie looks pretty funny to me. Yeah, I think yeah, I said that in one of my trailer reactions i said i think it looks pretty good but the song choice was really questionable yeah that's fair the song maybe it be maybe it's a play on you know be able believing in bigfoot i mean they're yetis but i mean yetis and bigfoots are basically the same thing except one lives in the snow that's that's what i was thinking i don't know yeah, that's what I had, and I, that's what I had thought. That's what I was thinking too, in a way. But I, I don't know. It's a reach. Let's 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 agree. That that <laughs> <a reach>. Yeah. <laughs> most so. I think most trailer songs are a reach. They're <laughs> yeah. just trying to find something that'll fit the footage, mm-hmm. and it doesn't always work. Yeah, but the Coco one just boggles my mind still oh. to this day because you oh, have better. you have oh. a movie with music. With original songs that won an Oscar, why on earth would you have would you have the uh, bittersweet symphony? bittersweet symphony, which isn't even Latin? Like it makes no sense. <laughs> I, what? That, that was very questionable. It's too. not even about a guitar player. It's a symphony. Like it made no sense. I was like, what? Every time I hear that song, I think of Cruel Intentions. <laughs> I like. I just, uh, I, I found the marketing for Coco to be baffling. So you could just tell it was such a good movie because it was able to withstand the terrible marketing mm. campaign, <laughs> in my opinion. Oh, um, <man>. Anyway, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah. So, okay, good. Well, let's hope that, uh, that it's decent. Let's talk about our next story. We have a Steven Universe story. We have a character in Steven Universe that proposed, it's a same-sex proposal. Uh, and, uh, so Jonathan, I think you know the most about this. You watch the show. Um, mm-hmm. can you tell us a little about what, what happened? Yeah. It wasn't just a proposal. They had a marriage as well. It's like okay. the proposal happened two episodes later. There was a wedding. Okay. Um, the only thing is it's not, the, it's not exactly what people think it is because of the way the show is written. And I mean, I'm glad that Steven Universe gets to like go into the history books and such, but this, this is a show about aliens and the aliens have been specifically said many times that they are genderless. And I think that's why Cartoon Network is okay with airing this. I think if it was humans, I don't think that Cartoon Network would be as easily swayed into putting this on TV. Interesting. Okay. Because the 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 gems they they have they use human well female pronouns but they are they they're not they don't have genders they grow out of the ground they're rocks so i think that that's why this is being allowed to be put on tv but if it wasn't if it was humans i don't think they would have had such an easy time getting it on tv the creator i guess or one of the creators of this episode i don't know rebecca sugar yeah. Yeah, she's she's the creator of the show itself. Okay. She says, "We absolutely must tell LGBTQ children that they belong in this world and they deserve to be loved. We cannot wait until child grows up to tell them they deserve to exist and that their story matters. I'm overwhelmed with emotion thinking of the years of tireless work from all of us on the crew leading up to this moment." Mhm. So, and I think that that's I think that that's part of the reason that technically the gems are genderless because I feel like people are more open to accepting a story like this if they have the caveat that, well, they're not really two people of the same gender getting married. It's two aliens who are genderless getting married. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, to a kid, and she wants kids who are in the LGBT community to be okay with themselves. So to a little kid, they're just going to see two. I mean, they look like two little kids, the two aliens that got married. Mm-hmm. I, I feel weird calling them aliens. They're gems. And, but if somebody's listening, and they don't know what the gems are. They're, they're from outer space. They're from another planet. They do look like li- two little kids. Ruby okay. and Sapphire look like little kids and root Ru- them in the show. The characters fuse to form a new character and ruby and sapphire for almost the entire duration of the show have been fused to be a different character named garnet who ruby and sapphire look like little kids garnet looks like a very tall woman who leads the the team but there was an episode a few episodes ago there was like a massive revelation they had a big fight they split apart into their two smaller forms and went their separate ways for a while. And after working through their emotional problems, Steven Universe is all about working through emotional problems. Uh uh, Ruby decided that she missed Sapphire too much to be apart from her forever and decided to propose and refuse back into Garnet. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Adam, do you watch the show at all? Uh, I haven't watched it in a while because of Cartoon Network's delaying and stuff. So I basically grew out of it. So when I found this out, I was actually um, really surprised and happy to see that uh, they're continuing to embrace this because uh, Steven Universe really did make a lot of animation television history with its LGBTQ, LGBTQ themes in it. And, uh, yeah, seeing this uh, same-sex marriage between Ruby and Sapphire does really make me happy. And it's basically showing what a great show Steven Universe is. So, yeah, I, I haven't seen it a lot lately because of the delays. So Right. I, I've watched a couple episodes, but 
just uh i just didn't have time to and uh, it's one of those shows where if you start at the beginning you probably aren't going to get into it too easily but if you keep with it you're going to get hooked because the show just keeps getting better and better and better and more and more important and interesting storylines get added it's it's a totally different show now than what it was when it began and it's all the better for it. It's one of the best animated series on TV right now, at least in terms of um, like sci-fi storytelling. If you want like a cartoon cartoon, I would go for Gumball. But as far as like narrative storylines, Steven Universe is one of the best. Yes, definitely. I mean, my favorite is Star versus the Forces of Evil. And that I one's really good too. That yeah, they had good. a, I guess, a gay kiss on Star Wars of the Forces of Evil. Um, that one, that one's another one where they did it in such a way so that they could get away with it. Um, it happened within a large scene of tons and tons of people kissing. Uh, so unless you're looking I didn't for even it, notice that. <laughs> yeah, unless you're looking for it, you're not going to see it. So they got away with it by hiding it, and. Which I mean, is kind of ridiculous. I feel like you can do these kinds of characters and stories and it doesn't have to be like, it doesn't have to be a statement and it doesn't have to be, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like it can just be there. And I mean, cause that's, that's, that's what I like about Steven universe is they don't make things like that into a statement. Yeah. And they, I guess part of it is helped by the fact that the gems are technically genderless. So there's like no reason to make a big deal out of it because they don't see gender. Like uh, that quote that I was talking about before, um, Rebecca Sugar has said, the gems do not even think of themselves as women, but they don't mind that humans interpret them in that way. So they they have a completely different mindset about, well, gender, because gender doesn't exist on their planet. They're right, just right. rocks. Right. Interesting. Okay, cool. Well, I think that that should be encouraged. I think it's kind of silly that we're still running from it so much. I mean, come on. Uh, so, okay. Well, let's move on. So we have a new uh, series that is coming to Netflix uh, called the Dragon Prince, Dragon Prince, uh, by the creator of Avatar: The Last Airbender, and uh, it says here that uh, that I guess they made an announcement at Comic Con. New animated series about two human princes who forge an unlikely bond with the elfin assassin sent to kill them, embarking on an epic quest to bring peace to their warring lands. So. Adam, what do you think about this idea? So I'm just going to correct you on this. This is not from uh, either of the creators of Avatar. This is actually from the head writer of the show. Oh, sorry, and, sorry, sorry. And uh, yeah, this is actually a very huge project. Not only is Aaron Ahas, who wrote Avatar The Last Airbender, is doing it. He's also being done by Justin Richman, who directed the Naughty Dog game Uncharted 3 and... Uh, another person who worked on Star Wars, The Clone Wars, uh, Giancarlo Volpe is executive producing it. So this is going to be a huge thing, and I'm actually really excited for it. I think Avatar The Last Airbender is probably the best thing Nickelodeon has ever done, and that is saying a lot considering, and I know a lot of people consider Spongebob their best cartoon. I don't. Avatar is probably their best because how emotionally complex it is and how really good it is with the action not including the live action movie that is and uh yeah this is a very this is actually going to be a very interesting show i'm excited to see what's going to be happening in the show so there's not a lot it said that this eight animated series for kids and families it centers on two princesses who befriend an elfin assassin sent to kill them and then they embark on an epic uh quest to get their lands to get to peace that's what yeah. it is uh yeah i mean this just the description doesn't appeal to me a ton because i'm just not that big of a fantasy person um uh, so i don't know i kind of have to would have to talk to people and, and find out if it's, it's if it's really good i do well, i haven't watched all of avatar because i just haven't had time but i have liked what i've seen uh so uh i 
I'm just very, very a tough sell when it comes to fantasy. A lot of fantasy bores me so much. So uh, that that's my that's, but that's just my own personal taste. It certainly sounds like something that could be interesting and be successful for sure. Uh, what do you think, Jonathan? I'm excited based probably solely on the pedigree of the people working on it. Yeah. Um, I like fantasy, but not all fantasy is created equal. So if somebody just told me the description, I would say I needed to see something from it before I decided if I wanted to see it or not. But just based on who's working on it, I think it's probably going to be good. Yeah. The next item we have to discuss is the Emmy nominations. So this is pretty exciting. This is the primetime Emmy Awards. Uh, came out uh, with their nominations and uh, there are several animated categories we have voiceover performance uh, to uh, we have for American Dad uh, Seth MacFarlane uh, as Stan Smith and Roger Smith we have Family Guy uh, Nanny Goats and this is Alex Borstein as Lois Griffin uh, and then a couple other people uh that she voices and, and then another family guy send in stewie that's us mcfarland as stewie uh the scariest story ever mickey mouse halloween spectacular uh we have Ressy taylor as huey louie and a bunch of other characters and then simpsons fears of a clown uh and this is dan castlanetta as homer so uh good day for fox <laughs> apparently <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. well if disney does buy fox they're gonna have all the nominees <laughs> that's true good <laughs> yeah uh i i mean it is amazing that the simpsons still plucking away the, the emmys all these years it's pretty incredible uh i mean i would have yeah well, well in all of them it would have been nice to have seen uh like say an eden shear for star wars the forces of evil she's so mm-hmm. great in that mm-hmm. uh there's so many uh that do we really need to nominate Seth MacFarlane twice? Yeah, that was questionable. That's really. I was wondering, like, why do they have so many from Family Guy? Like, yeah. there's so many good animated series around. Why get them all from the same, mm. not just the same show, but the same network? But still, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I was glad to see that Rusty Taylor was in there. I hope she wins. I do too. I haven't actually same. seen that episode, but I do like that Mickey Mouse cartoon show. I do too. And does Rusty taylor have an emmy i feel like she needs one she's been at this so long she deserves something i think yeah Rusty taylor is probably one of the greatest voice actresses who's lived i've always loved her performances uh Minnie mouse and i I actually prefer i actually think that her performance of huey dewey and louis i actually like it better than the new actors who perform on the DuckTales reboot I don't I don't hate them but I always had this pet peeve of when adult males play what are essentially young boys I I would have preferred it if they've actually gotten real kids or heck bring back Rusty Taylor or if you or heck even Tony Anselmo the voice of Donald Duck because um in the old cartoons Huey and Dewey Louie actually sounded like Donald uh well turns out that sorry Sorry, it turns out that uh, Rusi actually has not won an Emmy yet. She was nominated twice back in 2006 and 2007. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I hope, well, she, I hope she wins this time. Yeah, yeah same here. Me too. I mean, because there were just so many great vocal performances for Star Wars Rebels. There's so many good shows that had great vocals. So, I don't know. It seems like a little bit of a like, I mean, I and I, nobody loves The Simpsons more than me, but Dan Clef's, <laughs> I mean, come on uh so there we go that's that there you go so outstanding animated program we have uh, big hero six the series we have bob's burgers rick and morty the simpsons and south park these are all very predictable uh i mean i guess it's good that rick and morty got nominated because they weren't nominated last year and they deserved it because it was really well done but uh, I'm. I mean, a lot of people were mad about BoJack Horseman not getting nominated. I I don't watch that show, but I know a lot of people were were frustrated about that. Uh, and I don't know. It just seems like this is such a predictable group of nominees. <laughs> what do you think, Jonathan? If I had to pick one, 
I, ha- I haven't watched Big Hero 6 yet. It's on my list of shows that I need to watch. So I can't say whether I like it or not. I've heard good things. Yeah. If I were to pick one of this list, I would probably pick Bob's Burgers because I just, I really like Bob's Burgers. Yeah. Um, Rick and Morty. I don't know how I feel about Rick and Morty. I think it's such a smart show and I enjoy how creative it is. But every time I watch it, I don't know. It doesn't make me feel happy. It makes me feel depressed. And it's like, it's such, it has such a negative outlook on life. And yeah. I don't know. I I really, I think the, the people who write it are geniuses, but it's just. It is a it's very not, cynical show for yeah. sure. Yeah. And I've, I feel like I'm, I always try to be a, such an optimist and it's, it's hard to be an optimist watching Rick and Morty. I, 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 it's not a, it's not a bad show. It's just, it's not, in the in all the ways that I want a show to be good, it doesn't have those qualities. So, okay. I, I I like Bob's I, Burgers yeah. because it's it's sometimes it's cynical, but it also it's usually a lot more upbeat and it has fun characters and they always have music that like really well done music. It's just it's a lot more fun to watch for like an adult cartoon. Mm-hmm. Bob's Burgers is my favorite. I just wish that Bob's Burgers was funnier though. I just watch it and I get kind of bored. I it just doesn't. It's cute and I get the appeal and everything, but like for me personally, I just don't think it's funny. And I know that humor is super subjective, but uh, but yeah, it's true with Rick and Morty. I I think I I watch I can watch I cannot binge watch Rick and Morty. Like I'll no, watch I never two can episodes. binge watch. <laughs> two episodes one or two at most. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it is brilliant. And it is the one I would pick out of these as being the most creative. Certainly the animation is the best. And uh, I don't know. It's what I would pick. But uh, what about uh, you, Adam, about these nominees? Uh, it's very interesting, I guess. Um, I really don't know, though. It's um, it's big. Ugh. The Rick and Morty episode that's been nominated question is called Pickle Rick. And yeah. I, 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 there's actually somebody I know that really hates this episode. <laughs> and when it comes to my taste with the show, I don't know. It, it, it looks, it's smart, I guess. It has them. But man, whatever. The, but geez, that fan base is kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the fan base. The fa- fan base has ruined so many shows. Uh, I, I I recently watched part of season three. Season three is the one where like the fan base started getting really weird. And like there was all those news stories about the Szechuan sauce at McDonald's. Oh jeez. That that oh. there was like two mentions in one episode. Like, why did that blow up? I was shocked at how little it was in the episode. I thought it was like gonna be like a main plot point based on the fan reaction to it. It was like two mentions in one episode. And that was it. Yeah. Like, why did people go insane over that? I don't know. <laughs> it's like, I, I it's kind of crazy, too, how much it's blown up. I just, because the, the thing just started off as dipping sauce that was made to promote Milan back in 1998. And then mm-hmm. the creators just found out. They put it in their show. It was only a few references and bam, it just goes nuts over the internet. But I wasn't, I think this was in the first episode of the third season which was mm-hmm. which took everybody by surprise because it was an april fool's thing but i really have no idea how it blew up into that huge thing yeah i don't either it was it was strange yeah it really was uh, i i don't know i i did they do something on social media that like made did they made them do that or I don't know. I, it could be. I don't. I don't follow the show on social media. I just watch it sometimes on Hulu. I'm not. I'm not a big enough fan to like follow all the social medias and everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, so there you go. That's the nominees. And so then we had short form animated program, which I, I guess I'm not really sure the difference between. I mean, obviously, I guess they're shorter. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm not sure exactly what the difference is between the I think, categories. I think, I think the list was all like 11-minute shows instead of 30-minute shows. 
Yeah, because animated program was probably duration of a uh, half an hour show and short animated form is just technically a segment, one of the segments of. So Steven Universe show. is a, an 11, it's a. Yes. yes. I didn't realize that. Okay. All right. So the, the nominees for this one are this category are Adventure Time, Steven Universe, Teen Titans Go, and We Bear Bears. And I am so happy for We Bear Bears because <laughs> that show is great. It's that show is just so positive. And yes. That one, that one, that one makes me feel how I don't, that's like a palate cleanser from Rick and Morty. If you like it depressed <laughs> watching Rick and Morty, go watch We Bear Bears. Yes. You'll feel so much better. Yeah, that's very, that's exactly right. It's so mm-hmm. funny too. It's hilarious. Yes. <laughs> it's sweet. It's funny. It's delightful. The animation is delightful. It should have more fans. It's a great show, I think. Yeah, I I love that show. I've gotten my cousins into it. We watch it whenever there's new episodes on Hulu. Yeah. It's yeah. it's it's so much fun. It's so cute. It's so uplifting. It just makes you happy when you watch it and that's what I that's that's how I want to be watching when I'm watching a cartoon. I want to be happy. I don't want to be sitting in miserably miserable Misery weeping over humanity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do, what do you think of these nominees, Adam? Um, I think it's a very interesting thing because all the nominees, every single one of them, is distributed by a Cartoon Network. Every single one. Robot Chickens on Adult Swim, which is basically the adult side of Cartoon Network. So I find it very interesting. And But nevertheless, I am really happy with these nominees especially we bear bears <laughs> right yay yeah yeah which yeah. they were for specific episodes weren't they yeah like, did uh, it say which ones they were yeah uh yeah for the adventure time it's ring of fire for robot chicken it's freshly baked the robot chicken santa claus pot cookie freakout special special edition Steven Universe, it's Jungle Moon for the Teen Titans Go. It's the self-indulgent 200 episodes, Spectaculars, part one and two. And for We Bear Bears, it's Hurricane Hal. Okay, I haven't seen that episode of We Bear Bears. I have seen the episodes of Steven Universe and Adventure Time, though. And I would say both of those deserve it in their own way because they're both good episodes. The Adventure Time episode was weird, like really weird, but I really liked how weird it was. And Steven Universe Jungle Moon, that one was that one was good in a totally different way from the rest of the series. It was basically Stevani, the fusion of Steven and Connie, went to a planet by themselves and it was basically them having to survive on this planet on their own. And yeah, it was it was totally different than the rest of the show. I loved the animation and the character design for all the creatures that were on this planet. It it deserves something for the creativity of that episode alone i don't know which one i'd vote for because i really liked that one and i think we bear bears deserves something even though i haven't seen that episode i want them to win just because i like the show <laughs> yeah well yeah, yeah I, I would pick we bear bears just because i just love it it's so funny uh and this would be the last i wonder if adventure time will win just because it's their last one it could be yeah so uh, there were a couple other nominees. Uh, Star Wars Rebels got nominated under children's program, which is a little strange. I mean, I know it's on Disney XD, but still, <laughs> it's kind of weird. Uh, it's There's children's program, a series of unfortunate events, Alexa and Katie, Fuller House, Star Wars Rebels, and the Magical Wand Chase, a Sesame Street special. <laughs> it's a really <laughs> odd mixture of, of stuff. That one, that one would be hard for me to decide because I love a series of unfortunate events, but I also oh, love yeah. Star Wars Rebels. I, yeah. And I feel like it's, is it weird that Fuller House is on there? Like Fuller House, I would not call that a kid's show. Like, yeah, it's a I've, I've watched I've watched it and I don't know that I'd let little kids watch it. If they, it has a bunch of adult jokes in it. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. kids probably wouldn't get it, but it does not seem like a children's television program. Yeah. I watched the first season and actually enjoyed it. And then the second season I was like, eh, I'm not into it. I just don't have It's time really cheesy. It. And I don't know if, I don't know if it seems cheesier than the original because the original. I didn't mind. I watched it when I was younger. I didn't mind the mm-hmm. cheesiness. That wasn't my problem. I just, uh, 
I don't know. I just, I can't even remember anymore why I didn't like season two. <laughs> I didn't like season two. I liked season one. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I don't have time these days to watch anything that I'm not like really interested in that I'm not mm. podcasting about. <laughs> I should adopt that because a lot of times I'll stick out a show just because I've started it and I feel no. like I need to see it through. <laughs> I need to adopt your, your way of looking at things. Yeah. I've been that way for years, actually. Like, I was super into Glee for, like, two years. And then, like, they did this horrible Britney Spears episode that was just, like, that all it was, it was, like, a whole bunch of music videos. There was no, like, plot at all. And it was just, like, we're just going to have a dream sequence where we sing all these songs. And I was, like, this is so lame. I'm done with the show. And I never watched another episode <laughs> So I, I, that's that's a uh, that's how I do TV. Unfortunately, <laughs> the Emmys. That's all we have to say about that. All right. So we have a couple other stories. We have a, a new story about Don Bluth. Our friend Don Bluth returns to Disney Studios after forty years, and he get this big tour. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I guess the big hope is that he's there for a reason for a project of some kind. Is that the hope? It seemed like the article was insinuating something along those lines, but they never actually come out and say it. Yeah. Like the way the headline was worded seemed like really leading. And then there was a line in there about something happening that they might talk about later. And then the the last line of the article, I think, was talking about something like something else was, they would yeah, talk more about it in the future. Yeah, it says, once we finished visiting Walt Disney's office, we had a very, we had a few very important things left to do, but we'll save that for another time. So, ooh. It's, it seemed like they were leading on to something and they weren't going to say what. So, I don't know if this is actually going to turn into anything. I would like it to because... Don Bluth hasn't really made anything, at least to my knowledge, recently. And yeah. he used to work at Disney before there was some falling out thing. I don't know exactly what happened, but it would be nice to get the company, get him back in with the company and make something again. Because well, he has a really creative mind. It would be nice to see something else from him. Yeah. The, the reason that Bluth left the company in 1979 was because uh he thought the work was getting stale uh he he thought the animation was getting cheaper and not very what professional up to the original disney standards because uh his last film he worked on before he left the company was was fox and the hound but he was left uncredited for that but his last credited project at disney was the rescuer yeah and if you look at that movie you could see it is I like it, but it I don't love sloppy. it. Yeah. Yeah. If you look, especially when you look at Milk Hall's animation for Madame Medusa, it is so sloppy and sketchy. They clearly did not learn to use cleanup animation yet. They just Xeroxed it onto the cell. Yeah. And another thing that I really don't like about the animation for Rescuers is Bernard and Bianca have no, having no eyes. It was just their fur. And when you look at the original pencil tests, they can, you can clearly see the animators drew eyes in and then just paint them in over. And there's sometimes they have eyes, like very rare occurrences, and there's sometimes they're not. And then Bluff was getting frustrated with that and he left in the company. And you're right when he said he hasn't been doing anything. He hasn't made a movie in 20 years. He said he was going to be working on a Dragon's Lair movie three years ago. He launched an Indiegogo for that. Yeah, yeah he, he launched an Indiegogo for that and it got successfully funded. But I have not heard anything from it yet. And maybe we'll see some stuff soon. But in, in terms of the uh, photos, I was actually really happy to see Bluth back at the Disney studio with him meeting Ron Clements and uh, yeah. Mark Henn and Steven Anderson, the director of Winnie the Pooh and Meet the Robinsons, mm -hmm. and um, Bernie Mattinson, who recently just got an award for being the oldest, uh, uh, longest worker at the Disney Studios. Did you guys see that? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, Bernie Mattinson. Mm -hmm. He directed Great Mouse Detective and uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol. 
and he was a story hmm. artist that's still working at the company. I, I think he's actually working on uh, Wreck-It Ralph 2 at the moment. Uh, yeah, but seeing this was interesting. He actually had, one of the things I did pick up from these photos, he had a guest badge on. So uh, it's probably some, I'm guessing he was probably visiting it, but from the way the article's written, I am very yeah. interested in seeing where this is leading. It was a very leading article. Yeah, I I think that he was, I think it was a good thing in the end. I don't really like the way that he left, like taking all the, ta- like taking all this talent with him and like leaving them right in the middle of, because it's a big, big reason why the black cauldron was such a nightmare was all these people leaving and it's just it was such a mess but well, the like, black cauldron was a mess in general <laughs> yeah i mean a mess on so many levels but um i i feel like he could have i mean who, i don't know maybe i'm wrong but it seems like from what i've read that he could have left in a little bit of a better way but i think in the end it was a good thing because uh if it hadn't been for uh the secret of nim and uh and American Tale, Land Before Time, these kind of things really putting a jolt back into the company. We might not have had their renaissance. You know, there's mm-hmm. something about having a competitor that, you know, I think is a good thing. And it, it, it helps make your best work. Yeah. It also seems that Bluff has actually gotten uh, back on good terms with Disney, not just because of these photos. He did say in an interview I saw with him and Gary Goldman, he actually said that he did like Tangled. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, the hey, the leadership at Disney has changed a lot since he was there, and oh, their definitely. techniques have changed so much. Like yeah. that, I'm I don't hate the movies from his the time he was working on them, but they have improved so much since then, and I feel like if that was his problem with the company, he's he's got to know that they're doing better now. Yeah. 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 Definitely, yeah, yeah. When he was, when Ron Miller was still in charge of Walt Disney Productions, it was there was a lot of disagreements, and not only did it result in him leaving, actually temporarily resulted in Roy E. Disney leaving, and that brought in Eisner, and then that led to Peter Schneider being brought in. Yeah, Katzenberg, and and when Katzenberg was brought in, that even caused more chaos for the Black Cauldron because he wanted it edited. And they're like, you can't edit a movie. I just, yeah. I remember that from Waking Sleeping Beauty. Have you seen that documentary, Waking Sleeping Beauty? No, I need to. I have oh, it. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a very good documentary. Yeah. So we will see. So the next story that we have to talk about is, to me, very depressing story. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about a live action Rugrats story. So uh, it is a... This is a relaunching the iconic Rugrats with a new show and live action film, which, oh my gosh, it sounds like a nightmare. Viacom announced <laughs> is the series with 26 episodes from Nickelodeon, and the movie is set to release in 2020. And I, I just, I mean, every, every movie with Talking Babies except for the first look who's talking has been atrocious and terrible (laughs) and horrible because they try to make the babies into adults and that's not funny to me that's like creepy and weird and i don't like it but the rugrats they did a good job of still keeping the babies like maybe except for uh, uh angelica like they they're still they still were little they still were little kids and they still were like innocent and and uh, most of the plots were about about their you know sort of friendships and and getting hurt and and things like that rather than and you know and, the, and and then in the movie they did the rugrats movies they did kind of go on adventures and stuff but they weren't really mini adults i don't think i think they were still little kids which is i think what made it charming and engaging but if you have it's just creepy to have a baby live action that's like talking it it doesn't know what do you think (laughs) oh i'll just get this out of the way this is a terrible terrible idea like it's it just 
You know, I'm fine with the show being rebooted in animation just to give it introduce into a fresh new audience and things like that. But the idea of making a Rugrats movie in live action CGI is so stupid. It's just, ugh. It, it just, when I think of it, it just reminds me of a movie called Baby Geniuses. It yeah. was a movie made Gosh. in 19... 19- I'm sorry, I can't do this without laughing. It was a movie made in 1999 by Bob Clark. I saw it. it. And I saw it at a drive through and... And oh. like when you're at a drive-through you'll like watch practically anything because you're just like at the drive-through and uh and it was painful to watch at the drive-through oh the and one scene i thought you were gonna say you drove away <laughs> you should have <laughs> i was like what is this oh the, the oh. worst scene of that movie was when the the ba- one of the babies just dresses up in saturday night uh, Saturday Night Fever outfit, yeah. and it, and they clearly photoshopped this baby's face onto a little person's body, and it looked so bad that it reminded me of a little thing that happened on America's Funniest Home Videos, where they took the host's face and just put it on a on one of the people in the home videos. That's what it reminded me yeah, of. It's so terrible. I don't understand why this is. I don't know. There's so many things you can make movies about. Why this? But I don't know. What do you think, Jonathan? <laughs> I, I still don't know. I think the, I can see why they'd want to reboot the show. And yeah. I would be interested to see what a modern day Rugrats would be like. I don't know if I think it's going to be good or not. I guess I'll have to wait and see. But a live action movie... I I don't know. <laughs> like, how are they going to do the babies? Like the the babies, like all the characters in that show, they they were drawn, and I'm not saying this because it's my opinion. They were drawn specifically to not look attractive. They like the creators have said they didn't want to make them cute. Yeah. They wanted to make them look like a little ugly. Like they were kind of to me, they were kind of cute in an ugly way or ugly in a cute way. It was sort of like a mix of ugly and cute. Like, and if you turn, it worked as a 2D cartoon. It it worked as something that has been drawn. But I feel like if you turn that into a CGI creation, it's going to look monstrous. Yeah. And yeah. it's, I'm, I'm just afraid of what it's going to look like. Like maybe somebody can do it well, but I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Cause I think it sounds like it's going to be a train wreck. Yeah, I do too. And most of my friends, I've seen them, they said this this is a bad idea. Like a lot of them have been thinking of this is just going to be another Baby Geniuses. Some have even compared it to Baby's Day Out. I'm like, when I think of Baby's Day Out, I think of the Baby Herman cartoons from Who but Framed Roger Baby's Rabbit. Baby's Day Out is... It doesn't talk. The baby doesn't talk. I know, but like yeah, it, that's better. Like if it's better, like it's still not great. But like if you're gonna make a baby movie, like at least don't. It's so creepy to have an adult voice coming out of a baby. Like the only reason it sort of works in Look Who's the first Look Who's Talking is that they don't actually have the Bruce Willis voice coming out of. It's just like narration, and so it's a little better. But like when you have a little baby and you have boys talking, adult talking out of it, it looks so weird. It is weird, and it <laughs> it just it just doesn't match. Like I I I seriously have no idea what they think they're doing with this. Then again, some of the Nickelodeon movies they've been rebooting, making are questionable. I. I still don't know why they're making a Dora movie with Michael Bay behind it. That is just a ridiculous uh, idea. A teenager, that makes me so annoyed. Ugh. Ugh. It, <laughs> it just reminds me of I that don't know who that movie's going to be for. I don't either. It That's has what Nicholas. I think. Exactly. What's Nicholas Stoller's writing that, so I don't know. What? It's oh, the ugh. show is so Dora is so brilliant for little children, the way it gets them to interact with the screen and talk and it's it, so I'm bummed that 
I don't know. Mm. It's frustrating. But anyway, let's move on. So our final story is we animated film coming out from Warner Brothers uh, about uh, Wizard of Oz, but it's from the dog Toto's perspective. Toto, the, it's a book, Toto the Dog Gone, Amazing Story of the Wizard of Oz. The Dog Gone, Amazing Story of the Wizard of Oz. And yeah, so this will be written by Mark Burton, who wrote Early Man, Sean, Sean the Sheep, so he's an Ardman guy. It's unknown if the animated film will be drawn in the style of Emma, Emma Chistler Clark's illustrations for the book, but it'll feature a talking Toto. No director has been named. So this is just an announced project. A lot of these announced projects don't end up actually happening, but we will see what happens. I am not very high on this just because I think that Ever, pretty much every time that we've tried to go back to Oz, it just hasn't worked. It just hasn't been good. And a lot of times it's been really awful. And uh, the last animated Return to Oz was terrible. Oh, and, of Oz. Yeah, it was oh, that, so that was, bad. That was so boring and forgettable. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw that movie six months ago and I've already forgotten it. Yeah, it was... It was awful and uh and i do not like return to oz i do not like uh that boredom one with james franco oh i do not like uh the i mean i like the songs from the whiz but i don't like the movie just none of the attempts i don't think have worked at all and so yeah for me i'm pretty skeptical when it comes to this project personally it just doesn't seem to be able to work uh but what do you think adam um i don't i don't know either uh lots of they've tried to do wizard of oz movies several times and i don't think i don't think a lot of them have worked and one person when i made this i just found out about this film today one person made the thing they said is that they the problem with these new wizard of oz movies is that they stay too true to the metro going mayor movie from 1939 Mm -hmm. and that uh the books were basically the earliest uh world building novels and they just keep and these movies just keep limiting themselves to the original movie but even when they try to stick to the book it just i don't know it just doesn't work like the return to oz they tried to stick to the book but it's so mean-spirited and it's so uh brutal and, and dark and Gosh. dark that it's just unpleasant in my opinion i know a lot of people there's a cult following for it i do not share in that cult neither do uh, i and, <laughs> um Siskel and, and ebert even criticized it for <laughs> dorothy opening up with dorothy gets electroshock yeah dorothy. like what the heck like everybody hates dorothy everyone's miserable i i just i hated it as a child and i hate it now and uh, so i don't know i i just think it's just it just doesn't seem to be possible it's like trying to make another good terminator movie it just does not seem to be possible and i want people to stop trying or making another grinch like yeah. i don't <laughs> <laughs> i don't know do you have hope in this uh, jonathan i this is another one that i'll wait and see because <laughs> yeah I like the original Wizard of Oz a lot, and I I like the books that I've read from the Wizard of Oz. I haven't read them all. Uh Um, There's a lot. There's actually a lot of books. Yeah. Um, But as far as versions, I don't mind the the Oz one, the from a few years ago, the Disney one, the live action one. I don't mind that one. But other than that one, and of course the original, which is a classic. I can't think of any right now that I've actually liked or loved or, or have even wanted to see. I take that back. Muppets, Muppets did a wizard of Oz, but even that one was, it was good just because it was Muppets, but it was as an Oz story. It was probably kind of mediocre. Yeah. I don't know, but nobody Nobody wants to do anything with Oz that's beyond the first book. They just want to keep remaking the original. And there's so many other stories that they could choose from. And they just keep going back to the one that was made in the 30s. And, and yeah, like Adam said, they, they keep 
remaking that one almost. They keep going with everything that was in that movie. And that movie was not very faithful to the book. Right. Like there are there are four witches. The shoes were silver. But everybody wants ruby slippers because they were in the original 1930-something well, movie. And you, and have, you also have problems with copyright because uh, I, I think it, it – I, I don't know who – It's public. It. I think the original book is public. Well, the, the book, but there's things in the movie that they – like nobody can – like that was a big problem for Disney with their movie is they can't use ruby slippers. They can't use the yellow book road. All that stuff is like owned by uh, – by, turner uh, turner yeah and so that that's why it's it is difficult for these other studios even though it is in the public domain all the stuff that people are, are iconic to film goers as being in oz they can't use <laughs> uh they need so. they need to just do a more direct adaptation of the books instead of focusing so much on trying to make it i don't know i don't know. i just make feel it like something the- that people want to see because of the original movie they I just feel like the Wizard of Oz is lightning in a bottle. It's just one of those things that like yeah. it just yeah. it just does not seem to be able to be duplicated. I think that I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, the Wizard of Oz is just it's just one of those movies that exists in its own world and it can't be duplicated again. And if if you're gonna try to do something new, I would just say related to Oz, I would just say start from scratch. Do your own vision. Try not to take any similarities from the original 1939 film. And that's kind of impossible considering that it's probably one of the most influential American movies that's ever been made. It it basically was the big boost for Technicolor. It's it's, it's an important movie. For sure. I mean, in this one, it's obviously going to be pulling from it a lot because it's about Toto. So, and yeah, I Warner get Brothers why too. people want to duplicate it because it is such an iconic movie and has so many iconic things in it, and that that kind of handicaps any film that comes after it because everybody's always going to be comparing it to that one. So they need to make it as distinct as but this. This new one is probably not going to be that way because it looks like they're going straight along with the the movie. And it seems that Toto is getting a narration and honestly that is also not a very good idea. That's just that just seems it honestly just seems weird to me that Toto gets a narration because it's just it's I personally because Dorothy's more of the audience character in this situation not to- not toto right mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i mean i guess it could be for very very little children uh but then you have to be careful because then it's too scary yeah uh, i mean they just it, it it's just so hard because the original uh it kept its sense of hope and wonder throughout the whole thing and i think a lot of that goes to judy garland i think her performance is oddly kind of underrated as far as her acting and I, I when she's uh first of all the beginning i think you really immediately feel for her character and uh and then uh in the uh when she is seen and m in the in the um uh, globe whatever you want to call it uh and she's crying out to her like that's a pretty brutal performance and I, I just think it's her sort of heart and, and weight that she gives to this role that really makes it, makes it hopeful, makes it different. And I know a lot of these others, it's just all about the world building and not about the hope, about the message, about the, you know, the uh, no place like home, you know, kind of thing that, that, that gives the whole movie and you got the whole thing with the wizard like there's just a lot of stuff that's that's really interesting and thoughtful in the original movie that's that i think the people sort of get lost in the trappings and forget about that like heart and that like core because that's certainly true with return to oz which is just such a downer (laughs) i think the only thing that i find interesting about return to oz was just that will vinton worked on it yeah he would later form and then he worked and, and he was known for being the guy that created the California Raisins and the Noid. And then yeah. next thing you know, his studio was bought Faye Phil Knight and turned into Leica. 
yeah that that the special effects are pretty good but i don't know i mean i think the closest we've probably gotten is probably the whiz just because there's some degree of hope with some of the songs but it's still not not a good movie that's for sure no because i think because i think joel schumacher just i don't know what he did <laughs> yeah, did he do that? I forgot he did that. Yeah, anyway, wrote it. yeah, there's just certain franchises that just seem to be kind of toxic. They you just cannot win. Like it just doesn't seem to work, and people need to stop trying. All right, well there you go. So that's all of our stories. It's a really good variety. I think we talked about the uh, box office with Hotel Transylvania Three, Incredibles Two. We talked about the Wonder Park trailer, Steven Universe. Uh, same-sex engagement we have the netflix dragon prince uh, series announced with emmy nominations don bluth touring disney uh live action rugrats reboot and the toto animated oz movie so yeah lots of good stuff that we talked about so this was really fun <laughs> i really enjoyed it so thank you guys for for talking about these with me i really appreciate it no we went a little long so sorry about that <laughs> but uh but thank you very much. And uh, so, Adam, how can people find you? So if you want to find me, I go under the alias Animated Antic, like I mentioned in the opening. I have a Twitter account, which I use a lot. If you want to find me on social media, that's where I'm more often. I do have a Facebook page, but I don't use it as much as Twitter. And if you want to read my movie reviews, I publish them on my own website as well as Letterboxd. And be sure to check out my YouTube channel. I don't post a lot of video essays because I'm really busy, but... Yeah, that's where you can find me. Great. And Jonathan, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on YouTube. Um, I'm sure Rachel will have it linked below. That's probably the best way to find my stuff that I'm working on. I actually just hit 100 videos on my YouTube channel. So there's a lot of content there if you're interested in movies and cartoons. And if you want to interact with me, I'm on Twitter at John J. North. I'm on pretty much all social media at John J North, but I think I'm probably most active on Twitter. Great. And yeah, I'll have all the links down below. So definitely check that out. And you can find me at Rachel's reviews on iTunes and on YouTube. And please let us know your comments and uh, uh, on Twitter or on the comment section, what you think about these different events. We'd really appreciate it. And uh, thanks again, uh, you guys. And we will talk again soon. Yeah. Thanks for having us. It was fun. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye.